eternal husband, the power of the Holy Spirit right now. We don't want to just sit in the room and hear about things that we're doing elsewhere. We want you to do things in this building and on this campus and in our lives. And so, Lord, we're asking that you to open up our ears and our minds and our hearts to understand what you have to say to us. And the things that happen here tonight would be uh, uh, of your spirit working in these people to encourage them to report the things that are doing in the world. And so, Lord, we're just asking for, for new things to the rest of this semester and in this, on this campus and this world. Things will happen here now. In our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay, guys. In our um, people, if you're a part of the group, if you lead a small group here, would you please raise your hands? We have a bunch of people starting here. Um, I don't know, a week or so ago, some of the uh, small group leaders started to talk about about doing a uh, vision casting meeting in addition to leadership training that started following. And so we talked kind of about what that would look like. And then this week in our interns, we talked about what vision casting meeting in our big meeting on Thursday night. Because the reason is because we don't want this to be this elite group of people that make decisions about what happens in the corners. But if you're here tonight, you're a part of this thing. Okay? I mean, you've been like, well, I don't want to be a part of it. You want your part of it. Too bad. I want Aaron to use the air conditioners. The so you're a part of what God's doing here on this campus. And we just want to have kind of a discussion about what God's doing. That's hard to have a discussion with 85 people here. So I just want to share with you guys a little bit, and I want some of our leaders to share with you some of the vision that they have as far as what we're doing here. Of course, what we're trying to do from this village all over the world. And I just want to start by saying, you guys didn't just come here to hear about what God's doing with other people. You didn't just come here to learn about God in a, on an intellectual level or learn about the Bible on an intellectual level. You guys came here to be a part of a mobilization of an army that God has, has been raising up and is raising up to change this world. That's what you guys are being recruited for. That's what we're recruiting you for. And I just want you to think about in the past, the world, this this planet has been divided up with all kinds of divisions. Divisions economically, divisions racially, divisions between countries, divisions between governments who don't understand what justice really means. And Jesus has come to abolish all that stuff in a separate kingdom. A real kingdom, a government of God. But his way of doing this, of establishing this thing, this is a revolution that Jesus started. As of understanding, Jesus came to establish the kingdom. He came to take over. He came as a revolutionary to change the, the power of this world. And he's doing it. He's been doing it. Not by using guns and tanks, but by using love and prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit and a bunch of college students at the corner so people like them. Not forcing people to accept our authority, but just inviting people into the authority of the good king, Jesus, without any pressure on them. Love doesn't take pressure. Love is nice. Love doesn't force. Never forcing people to try to be like, try not to like us, but instead all of us becoming all things, all people, in hopes that some people might understand the love of Christ. Yes, this is the central message of what we're doing. This is what we're all about. 
This is the central message of the revolution. This is the primary strategy of this revolution. And it's different from the way that revolutions have happened. Every other revolution in the past is people trying to take over some other government, trying to force the way that they want to do things on the way that it's obvious. But Jesus' revolution isn't at all like that. His revolution is different. And yet, his revolution, even though it never forces, his revolution is backed by the greatest power that's ever existed. The creator of this universe is on our side. The one who made the universe, the one who had the power to raise from the dead. And he's on our side. And this is the confidence that we have. That this revolution that we're a part <coughs> of, that you guys are in, cannot fail. It cannot fail. We have ex absolute certainty that it will succeed. Every other revolution has ultimately failed. Every government has either failed or will fail. Every endeavor of people, if it was a part of this thing, ultimately turns into nothing. But his kingdom never fails. His kingdom is eternal because he has an eternal king. He is an eternal king. His kingdom is eternal. And he has defeated all that is wrong in this world and will finally come back and finish off this revolution destroy all things that are destructive, including death itself, which means that this this thing that we're part of goes on and on and on and on. It's the only kingdom that stands forever. You guys get this? That's what we're, that's what we're building right now. That's what this is all about. That's what the Bible is all about. That's why Jesus came. That's why he was born. That's why he grew up and died and rose again and ascended to heaven. And the reason that he's coming back. This is the reason why I'm living my life, all my life, everything I have, all my time, all my energy, all my money, all my, all, all, everything that I've ever owned, my house, my car, my family, this building, the buildings that we have, where we have the second shelves, all this is used for him, for his purposes, for his glory. So guys, what we've been talking about over the past few weeks is the book of Acts, right? Jesus is Jesus stepping off his planet and handing this kingdom building responsibility over to you guys at the cornerstone. That's what we're doing. You didn't just come here tonight to listen to me, me talk about stuff. You didn't just come to get a free coffee or a free hamburger tomorrow or to go camp with this next month. Because we're in a revolution. We're about to do this thing. I'm recruiting you. So where are we headed? What what is what is the cornerstone? look like in the future? What do you want the course to look like in the future? And again, some of you guys are like, man, I just came here because somebody drug me. Drug me here. I wasn't planning to be uh, a part of the same. You are a part of the same. You've been called. You are breathing God's air and he's called you to be a part of this thing in his world. It is his world, by the way. So, I want you to hear from some of our readers, but before we do that, I just want to imagine what as we start this, this study on we just talked about it. We all, all the further we've gotten is Acts 1. We're just going to kind of hit on Acts 2 tonight. Get started on that. But I just want to remind you of some things that we need to expect from Acts 1. Some things I want you guys to remember. So, first thing, I've already mentioned that Jesus is handing over the kingdom, building, responsibility to his people. I know we talked about this. Okay? That's one thing I want you guys to remember. I also want you to remember that he promised to give to the people who are going to continue his building. His kingdom building process, he promised to give them 
Holy Spirit power. Okay? Responsibility, Holy Spirit power. And he also told them, he also gave him promise that he's going to step off his plan. And they finish doing what he's given them the job to do. And the job is sending you guys out. I'm going to have you guys do this. You're going to establish my kingdom to, to, the, to, to every nation, every ethnicity on this planet. And Matthew 24, 14 says, when that happens, then, then it's coming back. Then, then Jesus is coming back. Okay? So he tells them, I'm giving you responsibility. I'm giving you Holy Spirit power. You need Holy Spirit power. You're not going to be able to do this without Holy Spirit power. And after you do what I'm telling you to do, by my Holy Spirit that I'm giving you, then I'm going to step back on this planet and I'm going to destroy all the opposition against me. And another thing I want to show you is that he tells him, before they go out, take over the planet, the establishes the on planet, he says, Yes, just wait until Jesus You guys remember last week that Jeremy stepped here on the chair, as he sat there on that chair, I said, That's not the kind of waiting that he had his people doing. Instead, he told them, Well, anyway, he, he did something with the waiting. They didn't just sit there. Remember what they did? There were a couple things. There were some things that I told you guys that they did. What did they do? So they were together all the time. There was any in their plan the Holy Spirit power coming and establishing They stuck together. What else? They, they prayed. They prayed. What were they praying for? They're praying for the Holy Spirit power. Jesus had said the Holy Spirit was coming. So that's what we're asking for. Seeking, asking, knocking, expecting the Holy Spirit was going to come. Okay, what else were they doing? They are praising. They're, they're, their lives were filled with praise. Guys, that's what we do. These things are things that we want to be happy with. Of course, the last thing that I mentioned, guys, is they mobilized them. They were, they were getting ready. They were set the people in place so the outpouring of the Spirit would happen. 3,000 people would come into the family of God that they'd be ready for that. Okay, so I talked about all that last week. Now, I want you guys to think about it. Do you want the outpouring of the Spirit on this, in this building? How many of you do? You want the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on this campus? Yeah. Yeah. Just think about why you want that. What is it that you want? Why, why do you want that? And here, here's the more important question as we talk about the uh, vision path. If the Holy Spirit of God poured out this group of people right here, and when he poured out on the people in Acts 2 that we're about to study, he poured his Spirit on them, how many people were there? It was 100 percent. So it's a group of about 120 people. So the group that's just that's actually smaller was everybody showed up. And I know you guys think we got smaller. You guys, you haven't seen anything yet. We have we packed lots of people in here before. Because if the Holy Spirit poured out this group of 120 people, and he poured out his spirit through this group on the campus, well, what would that look like? So I want you, I'm going to give you guys a chance to respond. We're going to put a uh, uh, website up here, and Scott is going to put something up on the website, and then you just going to test it. What do you think that would look like? But as you're just thinking about that, I want Luke to come, and uh, Mr. Luke, why don't you come? Oh, I just want to share some, some just the vision that God's put in this heart for what's going to happen here at Cornerstone and you take steps. I don't really know what's going to happen. I'm going to have Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I like your shirt. 
Okay. Treasure. And to me, that like, why didn't he just take it? You know, 
like him hiding in the field, and then going and buying the field, kind of is a little bit deceitful in some ways, you know. So this was like, you know, Jesus isn't telling us to steal, but it, there's, the, there's this fascinating thing of like, why does this man do that? Um, and the reality is love is a choice. Um, you know, you have to return to that love, um, to receive the love. Um, Daniela just said it, like there, there can be no mediocrity. You can't receive the love, like you can't find this free gift and, and, and just not return to it. You have to come back to it. You have to choose him. And the way that Jesus tests us is, is do we return to that first love? You know, do, do we like choose to love him back? Um, and when I, when I think about all the amazing things that God is doing and is going to do in the future, if, you know, when I think about the revival that he wants to bring, when I think about you know, what he's doing in this building, you know, people being healed, um, being filled with the Spirit, you know, the, the, the crazy evangelism opportunities through the corner store, uh, through the coffee shop, and, and all of the things that we do. Like, there's so many to name, and there's so many things that could happen. You know, but the, the thing that we need to return to is this, this heart of, I'm going to love Jesus, and I'm going to love him by giving everything I have. Um, just, you can't say that you love him with everything, if you don't love him with everything, every part of your life. So that the only way we see this campus, city, nationwide revival is a simple dedication of each of you, individually, to Jesus. And I say that it's simple, not because it's easy to do, but because it's simple to understand. The actual process of it is, is lifelong. Um, and, and we constantly have to assess our life, our actions, our decisions, what we do and what we say, and ultimately who we are. Um, we must take everything that we have, everything, every gift that he's given us, every talent, every opportunity, sell it in our hearts, and, and view it as this like bank balance. God, you've given me this, this resource that you alone have the debt of to. You alone can use this and, and tell me where I'm going to spend my life. Um, and for me, like God has called me here. And so, if you want to find me, this is where you come. This is where you look for me. And I, I want to ask you, where can I find you? Where has God called you? Has he called you here to the cornerstone? Has he called you somewhere else? But if you profess to follow Jesus, he's calling you somewhere. He wants you to be somewhere. Um, and, and I want to encourage you, this isn't something that you're doing in vain. He promises to give you everything you need. And, and I, I know that in my own life. You know, I know that in my own life. Like, and, and I, so I stand when I say, I promise that if you do it, it will be so much better. It will be so much better than, than, than the thing that you cling to right now. He will fulfill the desires of your heart and will free you from any guilt or shame in your heart. You have to give your life to something. You will paint a picture of one kingdom or another. Your life will, will, will show one kingdom or another. There's no middle ground. And if, if you don't know what that looks like, come talk to me. Uh, I'm here. Uh, because 
I'm trying to live that. I'm, I'm trying to live that life right now. Um, I want us as to be this radical bunch of crazy, Jesus-loving people of peace that would love people like fearlessly at the cost of ourselves, at the cost of our, our lives, our desires, our dreams, that we would be defined by the Word of God in His personal and intimate leadership in our life. That we would work, not because we need money, but to bring Jesus' kingdom. That we would study not just to make people proud or unlock some kind of career, but to know him more deeply and magnify him in their excellence. Jesus wants you to lose your life so that you can give it back, he can give it back to you in his fullness. And my, my question, because I'm, I'm out of time, is will you join me in doing this together? You help me to bring God's kingdom here at UTA. Here, like through the cornerstone. There are so many things that you could do. So many things. God has put incredible gifts within you. And if you come to me, I'm going to be like, okay, let's go. Let's do this. Let's do this together. And if if you feel like there's something holding you back, cut that thing out of your life. If, if God is telling you to be here, cut that thing out. And he will provide. If it's money, he will give it to you. If it's you know a, a way here, he will provide a way for you to be here. Okay? Yes. And we want to see God's glory here at UTA. Let's go. Let's do it. Okay? Like, we can say yes. We can say yes, but actually, let's do it. Let's go. Um, and, and, and we want it not only here, but we want it in every nation. And and Sanchi's gonna share about that. So. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Hello. Hi. Wow. Hi. Hi. We all realize that there's something really amazing happening over here. Like one. Praise God. Praise God. And just like, can you just continue over here? No, it has to go out. It has to go out. Yes. So a part of our vision is just changing the whole world to help churches transfer our ministry. And how will we do that? How do we do that?
part of my testimony is like I came to UVA as a student. And I had this, I saw this and had a button for like young college students. Non-Christian students who are like really nice and really like friendly, but like they are amazing God's people, like and we need to love that. But I just felt the pain because there's no there's not enough people reaching out and making them aware of God's love. So like I will like knock on Steve's door and just sorry, wow. <laughs> okay. Uh, so uh you can hear now. Uh, so like, just knock on Steve's door, like, hey Steve, if you want to just go to India, but that's my home country, so like, start with there first, and then move to other places. Uh, so just like, go to India with me, and Steve was like, okay, and then, <laughs> <laughs> that's how he responded, to be honest. Uh, so Steve was like, like, what is this thought process, like, why is this guy expecting what God is calling him to do. <laughs> and then just like and he gave me like, hey, care about this because God's calling you, so you need to do it. That was like surprise, like wow. But I'm in college, I'm only in my semester and pursuing my education and I'm about to like looking forward to graduate, but this was like wow. So I prayed over this and finally got the confirmation from the Lord and just like Yes, I gained the confidence, and it's not me. Uh, I gained this from God, uh, all the boldness and confidence, because we got. And so, we bought the tickets, we went to India, and we already have one trip to India. So now, we and no, this there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are going. Uh, so. Well, yeah, we're looking forward to start uh, Cornerstone Monastery, a similar style in Pune, India. So, I would like to invite all of you to come and join us. So, like, who was important that? Like, raise your hands right now so I see it and it's important. No!
But you want to make sure about the spectrum. You want to make sure about uh, the life groups, the small groups, the big groups, and then the water stuff. Um, you want to be the straight off discipleship. Um, and I was talking to God, I was like, uh, you know, my brain just went all over the place. Like, okay, this would be good to say, this would be good to say, and then I just stopped. And, and I was like, I want to, I want to share what Jesus says about discipleship. And so let's do that. Is that okay if we, yeah. 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 If we find out what Jesus said about discipleship? Um, so let's, let's start in Matthew 16. Um, Matthew 16. I didn't choose it. There's going to be a lot of scriptures. I don't have time to read all of them. I'm ready to write them down because they're really good scriptures. Uh, yeah. Okay, but Matthew 16, let's start in verse 24, please. Um, you know, in, in, in the story of Jesus, he's with his disciples all the time, okay? Um, right? That's, that's, how, that's when his ministry started, he recruited. Um, and that's what we're talking about tonight. Um, you're here, and if you don't feel, just like the, uh, what Sanji said, if you don't feel like you're ready to go to India, if you don't feel like you have what it takes to go to India, if you don't feel like you have what it takes to be a leader in whatever way God's called you to lead, then let's learn. Let's learn that not what Jesus says is how that's possible. What it takes, what it requires. Um, and so I'm, I'm excited. Um, so um, we're going to start in verse 24. Um, this is a little friendly. Uh, it, says, it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple um, must, must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Verse 25. For whoever wants to save their life, and we've talked about this, um, will lose it. But whoever, wants, whoever loses their life for me, and the, the importance of that is for Jesus, um, for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world I've tried that. I've tried that. I've tried that. It's, it's no good. It's no good. It's no good. There's temporary happiness there. And it's no good. It's no good. Um, the whole world yet, um, yet for their, yet, wow, forfeit their soul. Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the man, the, the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Who doesn't want to taste death before you see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom? I'm not, I'm not worried about that. Because the scripture say, says that there's no seeing death. There's no, there's no sin because Jesus, when he died on the cross, he took the keys. He took the keys in. So there's no sin. Uh, and, and so, the way, I, the way that I see, and we'll talk about the scriptures, but the way that I see discipleship um, is like a race. Um, I love running. I love running. I can run all day, every day. Um, I love it. And, and, and in this race, there's a beginning, there's a middle, and then they would finish. I was going to say, can't do that. Um, and, and in this, in this race, in this race, the, the start of discipleship, okay, 
the start of being a disciple is, is opening up your heart to the love of God. Okay? It's opening up your heart to the love of God. Because what, what Pastor Steve just said is that it's about sharing God's love, not forcing God's love. So if we're taught not to force God's love, you think that he's going to force himself on you? No. If you felt that God has forced himself on you, then that's a lie. That is a lie. And that lie, the goal of that lie is to throw it off your heart and And so let's keep going forward. Um, and the middle, okay? The middle, and, and a lot of you guys might agree, the middle of that, of discipleship. So you middle think about it, like you see what the, the three gifts that God has for you, what we were talking about, the three. Um, you, you receive that, that, that three gifts are receiving what Jesus has done for you. But now the middle is, is one of the hardest parts. Okay? Um, the middle is full of a lot of choices, a lot of decisions, a lot of a lot of temptation. Um, and and the middle, Jesus Jesus is clear just in these scriptures. Okay, just in these scriptures, um, in, in Matthew 24 and 25, Jesus says, He says, the middle of our race. He says what's required of us, what's expected in the middle of our race, okay? Um, for us to cross the finish line victorious, okay? And, and, and that makes me excited. And so it, it, what, it, what it takes, and I'm just going to read it, it takes complete surrender. It takes complete surrender. It takes the choice of obedience. And, and, and I want you guys to write down these scriptures because I don't have time to read it. Um, so for, for the choice of obedience, write down Psalm 128, verse 1. And write down Psalms Deuteronomy 28, verse 9. And you're not just writing these verses down because oh, cool, I don't remember verse okay, Go back and read. If you don't feel like you're ready for discipleship, if you don't feel like you have what it takes, these are scriptures. The reason why they're in here, the reason why I got put these on my heart, is because you need to say these over yourself. You need to pray these over yourself. You need to speak life. You have life in the power of your tongue. God is giving you that. He's giving you death, so speak life. Okay? Speak a lot. Um, the next thing, the next thing after the choice of obedience, the next thing is the faith to trust. What does it take to be a disciple? What does it take to walk out discipleship? Is it takes the faith to trust. Okay? And so you already know that one scripture is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Write that down. The second scripture is Hebrews 11, 1. I'm going back to that, so if you don't get along, I'm going to read right after this. Um, Hebrews 11, 1. The faith to the next one, and this is where nobody wants to talk about this one, but some people do. The suffering, the suffering for the sake of Jesus. A lot of us suffer in life when we put ourselves in that suffering, okay? So, so what the scripture is very clear about is the suffering for the sake of Jesus, for the sake of the word of God, for furthering his kingdom and bringing his kingdom to you, right? Those scriptures for that are John 15, 20. In 2 Corinthians 12, 10. Um, and then, and then the next one, the next one it says, um, and having the ex is the last one, having the expectation, having the expectation that God will bring restoration. Okay, I'm gonna say that one more time. Having the expectation that God will bring restoration. 
There's so many times in our life where we're saying, God, I never catch a break. Everything keeps happening. One thing after another. One thing after another. I keep getting hit down. I can't get up. I have no energy. What's going on? So this people right here and says, having an expectation that God will bring restoration. And these scriptures, a lot of you guys, myself and Ethan, when I read these up, I think, First one is Psalms 51 and 12. And the second one is Acts 3, 21. Um, the middle of this race, the middle of this race of discipleship is not easy. And sometimes we get to the point of wanting to quit. Okay? Sometimes we get to the point of wanting to quit. But wait, wait. Here comes the second wind. Okay? Who knows what a second wind is in running? Raise your hand. In running, you get a second wind. Awesome. Everybody didn't raise your hand. So a second wind, just to make it clear, is you're running. And, and when I'm running and I'm getting tired, I'm like, all right, my brain's like, okay, Matt, stop. You're already tired. Stop, please. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to stop. I got to keep going. And then, boom, out of nowhere, out of nowhere, all this energy, all of this energy, the way God created your body, which Luke talked about this, is you learn, you learn, you go to school and you learn, then you give God the glory. I learned that my body, after a certain amount of time, replenishes itself. I have three different systems. I don't have time to go into them. But I have three different systems. One's, one's the starting system. Okay, that's the ATP-PC. Okay? I'm going to stop there. That's what I'm talking about. Um, she can confirm not making this up. But there's three, there's three systems total. After the first one goes out, then the second one kicks in. It lasts for about two minutes. And then you have another system. Okay? That lasts. And so the second wind is coming. And so if you haven't had your second wind, I'm going to read this scripture. And this scripture was my second wind. Okay? Because I'm not slowing down. I'm not quitting. And I'm not stopping. So everybody turn to Hebrews. And I'm almost done. Hebrews 12, um, verses 1 through 3. Hebrews 12, go towards the back. Keep going. Keep going. Matthew, Mark, keep going. Acts, Romans, Corinthians, Hebrews, Ephesians. And then you go to Timothy. Hebrews, after Titus. Awesome. Here it is. Okay. Hebrews 12. Verses 1 through 3. Isn't God's word good? Amen. Okay, so I'm going to read this. Actually, I want somebody else to read it. Okay, you ready? Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race for out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and protector of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary from his heart. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders yes. and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So in, in, in plain and in simple, that scripture flies. There's people around you that don't know the love of God. And so don't you talk about that. 
There's people around you that do not know the love of God. And you say you know the love of God. You've experienced the love of God. I, and speaking to myself, how dare I let something of this world weigh me down to where it stops me from sharing God's love with somebody that hasn't experienced God's love. He's given me a compassion for people that are lost. And he wants you to have that same compassion because he's given you, he's given you the command to go. If you've received Jesus and you've been baptized by the Holy Spirit, then he's commanded you to go and to share his love. There's no time, there's no time, there's no time for me to stop because there's something in front of me that Jesus died on the cross that already defeated it. There's no time. There's no time for that. And so fear has to go to me. Okay? I'm just saying this. Fear has to go to me. That's a false reality. Okay? I'm going to read one more scripture and we're done. This is James. So now, now we got our second win. Now we got our second win, right? And now we're ready. Now we're ready. Okay? We, we have refocused on what's important. We caught our second win. Now we're going to the finish line. Okay? We are waiting for Jesus' kingdom to come here. Okay? And now that we're crossing the finish line, what does it say that we're going to receive when we, finish the when we cross the finish line? Some of your Bibles, you might not even have to turn the page, but if you do turn it one time to James, um, we're going to read verse or chapter 1, verse 12. It says, blessed is the one who preserves or perseveres um, under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say God is tempting you, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. And I encourage you to read the rest of the Bible. We're doing so much here. We're doing so much here. And God has called a lot of you guys here. God has called me here. <laughs> he really hasn't made that clear. Okay. And I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to do what He wants me to do. So we have small groups. We have discipleship houses. We have the cornerstone. And if you want, if you want to move forward in discipleship, pray to God. And ask him to direct you. And use his word to direct you. His word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. And so, so to cultivate all of that, to sum all of that up, is, is what's the next step? How do, we, how do we continue forward in our life of discipleship? We better be praying. We better be praying constantly. We better be praying constantly. And answer that.
And that is in two respects. The first one is just having constant communion with God, constantly talking to Him. Whenever your mind has a moment free, you're, you should be talking to God. When whatever is going on, you're talking to someone about whatever, and in the back of your mind, you're praying, asking God to give you a word to our, one of our goals as Christians is to have an intimate relationship with God and to grow closer to Him, and we can't do that if we just go to the weekly prayer meeting or we pray before we eat. We always need to be talking to Him all the time to get to know Him and His character. Um, the second aspect of prayer is praying as a group. There is so much power in praying as together with fellow believers. Um, Acts one fourteen, what Steve was talking about earlier. The disciples they devoted themselves to joining together and praying. Matthew eighteen nineteen says that if two of you on earth ask for anything, it will be given to them. I want to see organized prayer meetings like we have on Monday and Friday, and Wednesday, every single day of the week, all the time. I want there to be people in the prayer room praying about whatever is going on about revival on campus, for people here at the Cornerstone, for countries across the world, always there's someone here praying. And more than just organized prayer, I want to see a lot more unorganized prayer. Whenever there's something going on, someone says, oh, I have a cold. Okay, let's stop and let's pray about it. If someone is having problems with their family, okay, let's stop and let's pray about it. There's nothing that we shouldn't be praying about. It shouldn't be awkward for us to just stop whatever we're doing here in in the coffee shop, um, somewhere across campus. It should be such a normal thing. The the thing, Caleb, this is this is not feeling me. That thing, that that type of thing should be happening all the time. We just need to stop and pray about it. We sh- there shouldn't be anything that we don't pray about. It should be our first instinct to pray about anything that's happening. And when we pray, we should pray expecting results. We're not praying to the ceiling, we're praying to a God who cares, who can hear us, and who cares about us. He loves the people that we're praying for way more than we could ever imagine. Way more than we love them. This, it's not, it's, it's not something we just do, we're asking God for something. We're praying because we're asking. And when we ask, we should expect something to happen. When we ask our parents for food, they're not just going to be like, okay, that's nice. They're going to do something about it. God is way better than your earthly parents. When we're asking him for something, when we're asking in faith his will, he's going to do it for us. When we prayed yesterday in our peregrination meeting for Saudi Arabia and Bangladesh, I prayed in faith believing that God is going to do something about it. I know that something has already happened or will happen in those countries because of our prayers yesterday. In um, Matthew 21, 22, whatever you ask for in faith, you shall receive. James 5, 16, the prayer for a righteous man is powerful and effective. You are made righteous by the blood of Christ, so your prayers are powerful and effective, and so you should pray. Your prayers just matter. And if you feel awkward praying, because that's just not something you grew up doing, it's a little weird, do it anyways, it gets better. (laughs) Your your prayers may not be as eloquent as Steve's prayers, he's been doing it for a long time. (laughs) If that's 
fine. God doesn't care if you have fancy words and eloquent prayers. All he cares about is that you're coming to him humbly and asking in faith. He cares more about your heart than the words coming out of your mouth. So your prayers matter, and if you have faith, you can literally move mountains. So please, please pray about everything. Okay, you guys, I'm begging you to listen to all of what all of our uh, friends just said. That you guys doing something here? Yes, you guys are here. I hope you're coming to now. You guys doing something here, and this is powerful, and you're about to be a part of it. We really are on a campaign to change the world. So let's see how we pray. Actually, before you stand up, just, is, there, is there anybody? Uh, Anishan just said, please pray. Is that what she just said? Please pray. But is there anybody who's like, I need. Father, we're so excited about the kinds of things that you're doing in our lives, that you're doing through our lives in this campus in the world. We're just asking for greater grace upon this place, and that nobody would be able to come to this coast, that every person who comes to it would be captivated by your love, and would be committed to what you're doing, and that whether it's in India or here at the Cornerstone or start a Cornerstone ministry at some other place in the United States, we're just saying, here we are, would you send us? Would you teach us to love you more than anything else that will be empowered by your spirit and religion all this community? Thank you, Lord, for these people. Thank you for these friends that you've given me. And we'll ask for greater grace to commit ourselves to you. Also, Lord, also for people that just that just raise their hands to get things prepared for it. We don't know what all the details you want that are going on in their lives. They don't even know. But you know. And so we're asking you right now, would you do the same kind of thing for the that you did for Caleb last week when you healed his life? He didn't come here and expect that he really feels like, but you see the Lord, but you the same thing in each of these lives. Answer the cries of their hearts. Show them that you love them. Please, Lord, we're asking for your mercy on that. Mercy on all of us. And we proclaim your goodness, Lord Jesus. Amen. You guys will dismiss. Lunch tomorrow at 12. <laughs> <laughs>